Oh, just bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. 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 I'm so grateful and thankful to be here today. I'm so grateful. And I, I've been just getting a kick out of your worship service. Um, from the usher who's worshiping back at the door, man, I've been watching you. I've been blessed by your ministry at the door. Preacher, I'm going to have to take him back to Oakwood. We need some ushers like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To the music and the testimonies. And it's just been wonderful to worship the Lord together. I want to thank you to your pastor, Elder Edmonds, who invited me here. And uh, about two weeks ago, we had an interesting exchange. Um, I found myself a little frustrated with your preacher because um, he has a habit of getting up to the pulpit and exclaiming that he doesn't know what he's going to say. But then, after saying he doesn't know what he's going to say, then he'll blow the place up and mushroom cloud over the city and nobody else can preach there for a month. So I'm like, preacher, you can't do that. You can't say you don't know what you're going to say. And we got into, you know, an exchange about who's more anointed and all this kind of stuff. And I, no, no, you're more anointed. No, you're more anointed. Love your pastor. Have watched his ministry from afar for years and I'm very honored to be here in his pulpit today. Um, also want to thank Orlando Grant and his wife who have hosted me up to this point. I uh, thank you very much. Uh, he's not feeling well, and um, you still have been a wonderful host to me, and I really want to thank you for doing that for me. Thank you very, very much. Um, I need your prayers today because um, I have to tell you something I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Um, and I've been praying about it and asking the Lord about it, but um, this is where the Lord has us for today. So if you would, won't you turn with me to the book of John? John chapter 8. And um, we'll start with verse 1. Um, if you can put up the King James Version, I'll read it from the screen. Um, I'm actually using the Holman Christian Standard Bible for today, but we'll read with you the King James Version, and we're going to go from 1 down to 11, so I'll read with you. Um, once again, um, the book of John chapter 1, I mean John chapter 8, verse 1, going from 1 through 11. The Bible says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. 
So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let them throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. With the Lord's help, I want to share with you a message entitled, God, I Need a Man. God, I Need a Man. Won't you pray with me? Father in heaven, I need your help. But if I'm honest, you've been helping me along the whole way. This is your message, not mine. And so I ask, Lord, that you would preach through me. Take the butterflies and the nerves, God, and utilize them for your glory as well. And we pray that not I, but you would be seen, known, and heard. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, because you are my strength and my redeemer. Amen. God, I need a man. Can I have a little bit more, please? Lisa Marie Nowak was an accomplished woman. She's a former American Naval Flight Officer and NASA astronaut with a master's degree in aeronautical engineering. Born in Washington, D.C., she was selected by NASA in 1996 and qualified as mission specialist in robotics. She flew aboard the space shuttle Discovery during its mission July 2006, where she was responsible for operating the robotic arms of the shuttle and the International Space Station. She was a well-rounded woman. She married Richard Nowak, a classmate at both the Naval Academy and Naval Flight School in 1988. They had a high-profile marriage with one teenage son and two young twin daughters, which is why the nation was stunned when, less than a year from her space her first space mission, with another already scheduled, she was arrested in Orlando, Florida, February 1st, 2007, and subsequently charged for attempted kidnapping of U.S. Air Force Captain Colleen Shipman, who was romantically involved with astronaut William Olflein, a man Lisa Nowak had conducted an affair with for the previous two years. 
Lisa Nowak was in such a mental state that she drove nearly 1,000 miles from Houston to Orlando to meet Ms. Shipman as she arrived at the Orlando International Airport. Insistent that she not waste any time, Mrs. Nowak wore adult diapers so she would not have to make any stops. Needless to say, her career, her reputation, her marriage were all doomed from that point. Her life is now lived in infamy. I feel confident in my assumption that no one I've ever known or anyone here has ever done anything remotely close to the action of Naval Officer Nowak. But if I had the time, I could tell you some stories. And I bet you could too. Humorous, quirky, and tragic stories of what women we know, either in our neighborhood, our families, or in our own shoes right now have contrived and or endured for the love of a man. Are y'all still here? Okay. Before you think this is intended to be a man-bashing effort, it is not. I love all my brothers here. Amen. You are God-ordained, my natural counterpart. When a woman has found or is found by a God-fearing disciple of Christ, it's a fantastic thing. I just want to be clear. It is not bad at all to desire that. But some of us take it too far. And some of us are sacrificing career and education and family and money and our integrity and our purity for the affection of a man. Some of you have been told, like I once was, it's better to have a piece of a man than no man at all. Come on, I don't hear no witnesses in here. And I can't help but wonder how we got here. Where having a piece of a man is better than maintaining our children. Where having a piece of a man is better than maintaining our sanity. Where having a piece of a man is better than maintaining our right relationship with God. And I know she was asking herself the same thing. In telling this story, we've made some assumptions about this woman. We've portrayed her as loose and immoral, said she was a regular amongst the religious elite, that her name was all over town. She was a homewrecker par excellence, brazen and careless, that if you saw her coming, you better hold on to your man, girl. But I have some questions. We find this woman on the dawn after the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a religious holy celebration. Jews from all over the world have traveled to Jerusalem to be on the site of the celebration so that they could celebrate the 40 years that their ancestors spent in the wilderness in tents. So we have to at least assume that this was a religious woman. Are you with me? She's at the festival. She's celebrating along with the religious elect that have come 
to Jerusalem. She's mindful of what time it is. Question is, is she a woman hanging around the meeting room of the scribes and Pharisees hungry for attention? Or one of the fast girls that everybody hears about? Or is she an old friend of a Pharisee that he knew as a kid? who moved away many years ago and in between meetings, meetings to plot against Jesus, this Pharisee had been trying to kick game at her. Is she a pretty girl who hasn't been married yet for some odd reason who's thinking this is her chance to get a husband? Is she a troubled woman who came to the festival looking for revival and met a seemingly spiritual man who could preach and quote scripture and seem different? from all the rest? Did she have to talk herself into it? Well, he's a nice guy. He says he's going to marry you. You two look cute together. You'll make pretty babies and all kinds of junk. She's feeding herself to force herself to believe that what she's about to do is a good idea. See, the more we vilify this woman the more loose and immoral we depict her, the, far, the further off she stands from each one of us. But when we start looking at what happened to her and start talking about life, she gets too close for comfort. We all know someone who's been single too long. We all know someone who's thinking that if she allows a man to do this or that, then perhaps he will love her and give her his affection. We all know a woman like that, so perhaps she could be one of the women sitting right here in this room who thought she was doing something good, who believed that what she participated in was a means to an end. This could have been her hundredth time, but it could have been her first time, too. See, sin is funny. Sin is the attempt of a human being to meet a legitimate need through illegitimate means. When we go to Genesis 3 and find Eve chatting it up with the serpent, she's told that if she were to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, she would be like God. Well, isn't that what she was created for? Created in the likeness of God, in his image? So to be like God is not a negative thing. Are y'all with me? So God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And this desire is natural for her. It's what she was created for. But she tried to be like God in her own way. The sin is not in her desire, but in using means clearly placed off limits by God to meet that need. Sin tries to convince us that the end justifies the means. But in the carrying out of these means, using sin's methods, you find yourself in some strange places. My Lord. When I was much younger, I watched a movie called The Lion King. Anybody ever seen it? You know, after being deceived by his uncle, Simba, a lion cub, and the story's main character, flees from his home and meets two friends, Timon and Pumbaa, who become his caretakers. We're glad that Simba is not alone, but the tragedy of the arrangement is evident when it comes time to eat. 
Timon and Pumbaa are not hunters, so they cheerfully share with Simba the same diet they regularly enjoy. They lift up a rock which reveals hundreds of plump worms, grubs, and slugs, which at first sight makes Simba and the viewers nauseous. But Simba's very hungry, a legitimate need, and with no recognizable food in sight, he gives just one grub a try. The sight is visibly disturbing, and he has to work really hard to keep that grub down. But we fast forward a couple of months later, and we find Simba still a fugitive after some time, and he is no longer a cub. He is a full-grown lion in full mane. He's still in the company of his friends, Timon and Pumbaa, and they have become a family, which is cute in a sense. But the irony of it all is horrifying. Simba is biologically and genetically engineered to sit comfortably atop the food chain. And his worth is enhanced by the royal blood coursing through his veins. He has the DNA of a hunter and a monarch. He's the rightful ruler of his kingdom, the heir to its throne. And here we find him, the king of the jungle heir to its throne, singing and dancing joyfully while salivating at the thought of eating a worm. So his uncle has successfully reduced a hunter to a scavenger. Sin takes me who is at the height of God's creation and makes me a scavenger. Lord have mercy, Jesus. Scrounging about the ground, trying to grab at anything I can find. Doing all manner of things and selling children and possessions in order to meet my own needs. When God has clearly showed us, and my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. I don't have to scavenge around for anything. Ladies, are you hearing me today? I'm so saddened and sick in my God by what we women will do for a man. And I told you this is not what I wanted to say, but the Lord made me come and say, so somebody needs to hear it. Children being sold into prostitution for a man. Food stamps being sold that are supposed to feed babies for a man. Sisters, we got to do better than this. We got to do better. Sin is our attempt to meet my own need, my way. But usually as I'm trying to meet that need, I'm degrading myself on the path. I realized that the gentleman might be feeling left out at this point. Yes, we're bringing them right now. <laughs> but there are ways that men try to meet their own needs their way as well. The need for approval and affirmation. The need to feel empowered and useful. Let's talk about it. There's nothing wrong with being rich. But if you have to launder and extort money to get there, there's a problem. 
No problem with being popular. But if you have to malign someone else to keep your reputation, there's an issue. Here we find this woman half-dressed in front of a crowd, and it seems that she's the only one with the problem, but no, 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 no. The Pharisees in this story are having some of their needs met as well. Before Jesus came to prominence, the scribes and the Pharisees were the men. They were revered leaders in their society. They were highly respected by everyone they met, and they were looked to as the most reliable source of religious guidance and understanding. And then here comes Jesus, messing all of that up. And so at a last-ditch effort to try to discredit Christ, they dragged this half-naked woman into the holiest site in the world. Just to prove a point. That is an act of desperation, if I've ever seen one. Both this woman and the Pharisees are desperate to have their needs met. And they all find themselves exposed in the presence of Jesus. Isn't it interesting what comes out in the presence of Jesus? How when we really get down to the bones and the meat of it all, we all having some issues around here. They're exposing the woman for her breaking of the seventh commandment, but they all are in violation of the first. Thou shalt have no other God before me. And the issue in the church today, if you look at it, is that a whole lot of people are putting a whole lot before God. Putting our desire to be married or to have a man love us before God. Our desire to be liked and approved of before God. Our desire to be rich and and increase with goods before God. And the issue that we have in the church today is that everybody seems to be breaking the first commandment. interesting told you it's not what I wanted to say today I keep on apologizing I'm sorry I realized that what God is calling us back to is a love for him that trumps everything else listen ladies you know the the desire for a man is is natural let's talk about that it's natural It is placed inside Eve. You know, she was going off on her own. So we have been tethered in spirit to our men, tethered so that we won't go off on our on our own. So that's the desire you feel inside. Yes, it hurts sometimes and stuff. It's natural. But God never intended that tethering to take the place of him. And in our training of our daughters, in our training of our nieces, as we have conversations with one another, you have to teach them that. Until you have Jesus, nothing else matters. We're just going to talk for a couple of seconds. We'll get back to the sermon. You know, I've had girlfriends who are in in route to marry a guy who they don't think is spiritually mature. And um, as they talk to some of the older sisters in the church, the sisters say, you know, is that all that's wrong with them? 
Y'all can, you can teach them how to have devotion. Come on, have you ever heard something like that before? Tell the truth. You can teach them how to get spiritual. Then you find out five months in, she, he's whooping on her head. Going through, molesting kids and stuff. We ladies have this unique challenge. And my challenge for us today, and I think that the challenge that God is placing in me, because you know sermons have to come through me first and then to you, is that we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. All these things will be added unto us. You know, Jesus is, 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 is in relationship with all of these people who are sitting here um, exposing all of these people just by his very presence. Just his very presence exposes all of these people. And what I recognize in the story is that Jesus probably already knew who this woman was and knew her story before she came to meet him. You know, he's not shocked. He's not jumping. He's not, you know, freaking out. Somebody get her some clothes. Nothing like that. You know, he's, he's calm. He's collected. Because his burden is for all of them to be saved. You know, at that point in the story when he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, they all had the opportunity to say, Lord, it is I. I'm sorry. I repent. I'm here. Save me. Clean me up. Make me like you. Let me be one of your disciples. But they're all too embarrassed and prideful to stay. So they're still allowing their pride to keep them away from the Savior. And as each one of them go, the woman has the same opportunity to run, pick up her clothes, and go. Embarrassed. You know, they have, they have these depictions in the movies of just Jesus and the lady standing there, but that's not true. Jesus was in the middle of teaching. So there's a congregation standing here. So like, you know, a half-naked woman gets dragged here in the middle of service. That's what was going on. So she's standing half-naked in front of a congregation being accused. Right? But the spirit of prophecy tells us that after this encounter, this woman becomes one of Jesus' most loyal followers. She doesn't hide her face. She doesn't go into obscurity, but she follows him wherever he leads. There are other people who believe that she's actually Mary Magdalene, who is one of the most revered followers of Christ, who was one of the only three people who were standing at the cross when he was crucified. One who laid herself bare and, and sold most of her possessions for that alabaster jar of oil. She didn't let her pride get in the way of her redemption. You know, perhaps we'd all do well to have that kind of intervention. I'm sure she didn't like it at the time, but as she was exposed, she also had the opportunity to be free. And 
Once again, we might all do well to have that kind of intervention. To get caught red-handed, my Lord. Hand in the cookie jar. And to be exposed so then God can set us free. Set us free, set us free, set us free. I know that there's some people here whose souls are laid bare. You know that this is you. Like I said, the, the spirit already had to talk to me about some things and what I'm putting ahead of my soul and the Savior. But God is wanting the ladies here with this desire for the love and affection of a man to know if you put your love and affection on him and you trust it in God, that you'll be safe. And all of the things you find yourself doing in order to keep a man, you don't have to do that stuff no more. For this woman, no more back deals and backdoor deals and no more hanging out at, late at night after the meetings and all this kind of stuff and having to go to the altar and put herself prostrate again and falling out and stuff, asking for repentance. All of that was over. And it could be over for us too. Over for us too. God is wanting a brand of woman who says, even my deepest desire, I refuse to put it before my relationship with Jesus Christ. Even the deepest desire I have, I lay it on the altar and I give it to you. God, if I never get married, God, if I never find a man who loves me, I will serve you only. Are y'all hearing me today? If I never get the love of a man, I will serve you only. I will not sacrifice my children. I will not sacrifice my integrity nor my purity. I will only serve you. And then when we serve him wholeheartedly, he will give us the desires of our hearts. Ladies, we got to do better. But we don't have to do it on our own. Spirit tells us in scripture that Jesus cast this same demon out of this woman seven times. But eventually she found sure deliverance. Today there's a lady that I'm talking to. I know she's here. And if you don't feel comfortable standing up, I understand. But a woman who needs some help in getting her priorities straight. There's a woman here who needs to learn by the power of the Holy Spirit not to put anything between her soul and the Savior. I don't care how it started. I don't care who it started with. Today it can end. Ladies, if that's you, I want to invite you to stand. If you need help not putting anything between your soul and the Savior. Come on, ladies, let's be honest. If it's you and you need help not putting anything between your soul and the Savior. No more late night deals. Side. All this kind of stuff, hotel, motel, holiday, it's over. In the name of Jesus, it's done. Because God has something greater for you, better for you, greater for you, for you.
even you, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've gone, no matter who you've been with, even for you, God has something better. God has something greater for you. For you. Yes, you. And I'm saying on purpose, yes, you. Even you, God has something for you. Even if it's being able to sleep at night, God has something for you. He can do something great for you. There's somebody who needs something stronger. You're dealing with some challenges that a regular prayer are not going to really help. You need a move of God in your life. You need to be set free from generational curses. Your grandmother was like that. Your mama was like that. You see women in all over the town that's like that. And you need to be set free even from your mindset. If that's you, we want to pray. We want to call down the power of heaven over you. Won't you come forward? If you need God to just unleash all the power of heaven over your situation. And ask God to please on your behalf. To come and work. He can do it for you. No matter how long it's been going on. God can do it for you. I don't care how it started. God can do it for you. Praise the Lord. Congregation, won't you begin to pray for these ladies. As they're coming forward. Won't you begin to pray. Won't you begin to pray on their behalf. We don't want to leave the men out. There are some men here who have been meeting legitimate needs with illegitimate means. And if you know that you need the power of God to put him first, no matter how you've been trying to meet those needs, won't you stand? Needing God to help you to meet legitimate needs by his means. Won't you stand? As always, we want to give the opportunity for a person who wants to ask the Lord today for a new start. And you want to bury your old life in the watery grave of baptism. You want to ask the Lord to give you a new start by being buried in the water of baptism. Won't you raise your hand right now? You just need a new start, clean slate. You need the freedom that God gives. You want to be free. Won't you raise your hand for baptism?